Get stoked for the new single, Heard It All Before, from Vancouver rock and rollers Ben Sinister, out March 16th on Cordova Bay Records. Visit cordovabay.com to pre-save on Spotify Plus and see more of our upcoming releases, including local blues keyboardist David Vest's self-titled LP, out April 6th. Cordova Bay Records, celebrating 20 years of local music. Greetings, listeners. You're listening to All Access, a music podcast from CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria, British Columbia. I'm your humble host for the hour, Campbell. I'm all alone here in the studio today without a co-host, but I'm channeling many spirits from afar, so truly I feel like I'm in pretty good company. Maybe you could talk freely. Throughout the podcast, we met with local musicians, choir composers, sound healers, and other folks passionate about music to take a look into the various realms of our community's music scene here in Victoria. In the first seven episodes of this podcast, we learned everything from how to start a band in three steps to how to come up with your own musical alias. Each of these episodes has given us a more comprehensive understanding of what it means to be a musician and... Turns out that being good at music is a lot like being good at life. You don't have to be an expert, but you can be pretty darn good at it if you follow your sweet little heart, practice a little bit every day. What you're about to listen to is the final episode of All Access. It's really sad. That means no more interviewing for me, no more hosting for me. Pretty much unemployed after this, not sure what I'm going to do. but. We didn't want to send you listeners out into the world on a bitter note, so decided to end things on a slightly lighter note. We're going to be talking about comedy and music. Throughout this episode, we're going to be getting weird with some Vancouver Island-based musicians digging into some musical experiences that paint the strangeness of island life. So, for the mainlanders out there, prepare yourself for a cosmic voyage into some weird and hilarious musical times here on Vancouver Island. In creating this podcast, I was tasked by my producer Elise to interview tons of amazing local musicians. One of my super secret special missions was to ask musicians to write love letters to their instruments. Elise thought it'd be pretty funny. I mean, I can admit the idea of loving a cold, inanimate object, something truly incapable of loving you back does sound pretty funny but turns out the musicians i met with really do love their instruments like they love their instruments more than they love people in their lives i had to cut off (laughs) most of my interviewees because they're getting all dreamy and starry-eyed and doesn't feel good to be neglected as an interviewer but when you ask a musician to write a love letter to their instrument they're going to take that task seriously But serious things, of course, are also very funny. At the end of the day, you can't really take yourself too seriously. We're all gonna die one day. I am clearly disappearing. We're hoping you can find some comic relief in these musicians' unabashed love for their instruments. We call the first part of this episode, Ode to Your Instrument. 
The first love letter came from my good friend, Glenn Ramkissoon. Glenn is a man of many passions and talents, the type of person whose love for life is evident in every word he speaks. Before we started recording, I noticed Glenn didn't have any paper in front of him, so I'd asked him to write a love letter, but he had nothing to read from. And he just sort of looked at me with a cheeky smile and started reciting the poem from memory. My name is Glyn, Glyn Ramkeesoon. And uh, this is my ode to the soprano sax, and it's entitled The River's Edge. Walking along the river's edge beneath the humid trees came whispers, sighs, the faintest cries carried by the fresh, cool warmth of an autumn's breeze. Was this Mother Nature's way of trifling with my imagination? Or did she pause quietly to cajole, to seduce, to entice or enthrall, or express her apparent fascination? Now you see for every chore burden has she no time for abandoned adulation. She seizes this moment, reminding us all of life's created passions, of life's created forces. Passion's pain, perennial love, tempered with constant affirmation. Can I ask you how this poem exactly relates to your instrument? Well, pa is a feminine reference, uh, and it also relates to and reflects feminine frequency. I hear high, and this particular piece is about nature, mother nature, the feminine, and her resonance on us all, as affirmation is the last word. Human beings, we are constantly needing affirmation, particularly at times like this. So it becomes more relevant for me, both as a human being and as a musician, someone passionately engaged with what they're doing, to be able to say things that are relevant. In what way exactly does music resonate those frequencies of Mother Nature and the feminine? Uh, the resonance is a frequency, first of all. Frequency can be transmitted as an instrument. The high frequency, tone-wise, of a soprano saxophone. And the way in which it is that the tone resonates with human beings what it brings out emotively, its connection to us. That's what brings it to our attention and has us focusing on it. It's what lulls us. It's what brings us into a joyful or melancholy or very sad state. So therefore, when one recognizes that voice paradigm, which is vocal, which is resonance, which is to make a sound frequency, then it becomes all important. Because as human beings, that is our common 
denominator. That is what we share in common, regardless of color, of background. That's what we share. Thank you, Glenn, for reading that poem. Next up is Keenan, a friend of CFEV and local musician who goes by the name of Elan Noon. Keenan wrote two very mysterious poems and recited them from a sunny and handsome front porch in Fernwood, Victoria. Here's Keenan. A tone rang and I heard it and it moved me. I sang it and I felt it, now it, it is me. Oh my love, what we could do. At you I stare with something to prove. Your history baffling, but I'm not confused. Ask me to tell you a word that is new. Oh my love, what we could do. Keenan went on to explain the meaning of a second poem, which he titled, What We Can Do. Are there any words you'd like to share about what those poems are about? Yeah. Okay, the first one, I guess a tone rang. That's about, I guess, music in general. Definitely kind of encapsulates my whole experience with music over the past few years because a tone rang and I heard it and it moved me. The experience of music, I very much, you know, was affected by. The second line, I sing it and I feel it, now it is me. In vault, you know, it's representative of my engaging with it and uh, pretty literally I've been having to learn sights, like sight singing or musicianship, whatever it's called, and uh, understanding music so much more in depth from the technical level of having to use my voice to actually playing all kinds of different music like and how that process in itself and performing music how that you you become music in itself because you know music arguably you know you can put on a recording but I mean even the recordings were made by someone at some point and recorded by someone and Basically, mu music doesn't exist without people, and I guess it's kind of the awareness of of be you know being a channel for it, and etc. And then the second one, what we could do, you could call it. Uh, I was thinking, I guess, particularly about the piano, but it really works for any instrument. Um, Yeah, it's just about the possibilities of of writing and how I feel like this is a much overdone concept, but uh, like how an instrument is truly, once you have some awareness of it, it's a blank canvas for your own creativity. And, you know, I, I say, you know, you, you sh it has... The piano especially has a baffling history in terms of the fact that, you know, just being aware of, like, where it came from, the people that have guided its uses and sounds and everything, and how it's gone through so many different 
eras of musical understanding and it's been manipulated in so many different ways. You know, no pun intended, I feel very much connected to like any instrument that I play. Um, you know, like any of the ones that I have some understanding of and ability on. Um, I've been studying the marimba at UVic for so long and that's an incredibly visceral instrument which is basically a piano blended with percussion for lack of a better term if not you know like drums but the piano I'd say I really it's just kind of magical how you use your hands in the way that you do because it, it involves so many such a ridiculous range of expression with your hands that exists like in real life so it's such a which you know obviously i feel like i'm going to say this every other word but like you know this is true with all instruments but the piano just and also the harmonic capability of the piano being able to play chords and and it going to such a low having such a low to high register there's so many spaces within the piano and how it given the amount of styles of music that can be imitated or played or whatever on a piano it's ridiculous i mean the guitar i have always had a really intimate relationship with ever since teaching it to myself through like namely elliot smith uh songs back in high school and the guitar is really cool because i mean you're actually touching the strings as opposed to with the piano where there's that there's the distance between you pressing the key that ignites, you know, the hammer and everything. You're actually touching the strings that are sounding, which is very intimate with the guitar. And I think the guitar has been really fun and really important for me because I think more than the piano, it's really allowed for me to kind of hear what I'm interested in. Because with the piano, it's much more like I feel like it's just such a lar it's such a, a an animal it's hard to really find what you're after per se but like with the guitar I very from a young younger age whatever like I could find what I was looking for easily I think which I mean like on a technical level was like a very kind of exotic yet interesting kind of dissonance especially with the the guitar too it, it really lends itself to really bizarre sort of intervallic relationships where your hand will be like really high up and you're playing high on the neck some really high notes but then you also for instance have some of the lower notes left open so you get this really interesting chord where there's like very low notes but very high notes happening and intermingling but they're very much part of the same thing whereas like with the piano they're they're part of the same kind of occurrence of notes like and because the guitar is the size that it is it's hard to perceive it as being like you know two different things the piano if you're playing like very low notes and very high note and trying to make it sound like it's the same 
part of the same body of a sound that involves it can be done but it involves much more prowess of the instrument i would say and uh and i guess the very end of the second poem ask me to tell you a word that's new i think that's just kind of the the desire for an artist that an artist can have in terms of wanting to make something new but you don't do that alone you do that with the instrument you you have to speak through the instrument you know as i was getting into the piano i realized that you know i think as most people do certain things feel better on the hands to do on the piano than other things and as my friend pat once kind of humorously noted as i was showing him a piece i was working on, on the piano he was like oh yeah yeah that makes sense like uh he basically he pointed out to me that I really I really like writing things on the piano that fit on the hand really nicely but still like can sound bizarre and like the feeling is very important to me like it, it's like and that's that's why I would struggle to write something that was purely cerebral and like I mean not that I can't respect that stuff I can but you know and once again that's I have to bring up Gershwin because it's just like I mean I, I don't know I, I haven't to be honest I haven't played any Gershwin I mean it's hard as hell I can tell you that but uh, at least in a certain right but you know like I have a feeling it feels pretty good to play that <laughs> thank you Keenan for professing your love so openly we hope that these little love letters have inspired some of you listeners to activate your inner Walt Whitman. I'm feeling pretty sensual myself, so I just texted my electric guitar to let it know uh, I'm going to be cooking dinner tonight. Alrighty, baby. We're going to be back with two more stories in a hot minute. All that baby I want to know If you can save it Or let me go for sure Check out the latest album Slow Wave by The Velveteens on Fierce Panda Canada. Featuring surf pop jams like All Night Baby, Don't You Feel Better, and Midnight Surf. Find it on Spotify, Apple Music, and wherever you listen. Head to fiercepanda.ca for more info. To break things up, I met with my drummer friend Lee to talk about some of the more awkward moments we experience when listening to music. We talked about the sometimes strange experience of live music, figuring out how to move your body in a crowd. As someone who uh, self-identified as, as a wallflower back at the school dances in high school and whatnot, I can certainly attest to the freedom of finally learning how to move your hips and bounce your knees getting all loosey-goosey feels real good. Being a wallflower can be a bit overrated. So, Lee's words about getting lost in dance at a recent show are a good reminder not to take yourself too seriously on the dance floor. Lee. Hi. Lee, how's it going? Not bad, yeah. Feeling all right. <laughs> yeah. You were talking earlier about being really into dancing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I've rediscovered, mostly discovered that um, dancing is like a therapeutic way for me to get that removal that I want when I'm in social situations. 
um, that I get to be the dancer opposed to this social person in the world and that if you're dancing that's exactly what you're supposed to be doing and um, sometimes I close my eyes and I enter into this space that's very um, very cosmic and yeah intense like I went I went dancing last weekend and was by myself for a moment and got really into it and started flailing my arms everywhere and I was by myself and afterwards I took a deep breath um, took a deep breath in and realized that that was like so life-changing for me that I realized I can be this weirdo in public just dancing and doesn't matter it can feel awkward sometimes <laughs> like a lot of people can't get to that place right mm-hmm. yeah I think it takes a lot of a lot of courage but um, also a lot of willingness to to want to express yourself no matter what and feeling feeling that impulse um, and letting go of assumptions or, you know, whatever the case is, you know. Yeah, so I guess from that we can take that, yeah, one of the best ways to engage with music is to sort of like break down those boundaries you might feel in your body and mm-hmm. your mind and loosen up on the dance floor. Like mm-hmm. maybe people are watching you, but if you can get to that place where you're just like moving with the music, it feels good. <laughs> I feel like I'm dancing with the drums when I'm playing too. Yeah. That's probably helped my comfortability with dancing and really ex- experiencing every rhythm in my body, you know, from my fingers to my knees to even my face, you know. Your face wants to dance too. <laughs> yeah. Where do you feel in your face? <laughs> probably probably like my eyebrows and some eyebrow movements. And my like teeth and my lip. Yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> it's a full body experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when the music is good, it helps. Like I, I love soul and funk and um, disco. Like that stuff is really exciting for me to listen to, um, to dance to. Totally. Um, and then you get on the angst side, and I love punk. <laughs> punk. Just you know. Which is a different type of movement. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's also very expressive, of course, and um, it can be very cathartic, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, and it doesn't necessarily have to be like an angry aggression, but just an aggression that's there. I think it's it's present in all people, especially if you um, don't get to release some of your frustration in other ways. Um, than it is to dance to like soul music because there is like a bit of a, a sensual aspect to it. It's you feel good and it's not too chaotic, um, but it's nice to be able to express yourself in different movements and different genres and not be stuck to just one type. Totally, yeah, yeah. Music covers like a whole spectrum of emotions. Mm-hmm. It's a very general thing to be talking about music, but. I mean, if we were to break it down, basically, it's a way of making noise to express a sort of feeling. Mm -hmm. So soul might be more sensual. You move more sensually with it, more in the hips, Mm -hmm. more in the the waist and shoulders and knees. And then like punk can be very visceral and engaging and aggressive Mm -hmm. and tunes into that part of you that like maybe feels a bit bottled up and needs an outlet to just fucking explode into. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. Try all genres of music. (laughs) That's my recommendation. I prescribe all music. 
lately? Have you gone to any cool like dancing events or cool music events lately in Victoria? Yeah, I uh, I went to Soul Night last week, um, and I usually go when it's when it's happening. Um, but yeah, I went last week and I went with a friend. We danced. Um, there's this back area that's usually um, pretty vacant um, because people love to conjugate in the middle where there's no space to actually move your arms. That's just me. <laughs> people um, like to like be in the crowd. Yeah, yeah. but I like to like move around and like take up as much space. And so I usually go to the back. And um, yeah, we went downstairs and we smoked a little bit of pot. I was feeling good. I went upstairs by myself uh, while they finished their, their cigarette. And I started dancing and was like really in the zone. Um, and slowly this feeling came over me that it doesn't matter what I do. Like I can move however I want and I can um, express myself in any physical movement. Um, and so I started doing that and just like moving around so much. And I can't obviously express like the physical gestures but my arms were f moving around and like I just really felt this like surge of energy and that I was completely removed from that setting. Like I, my eyes were closed and I just wasn't there and people weren't there at all. Um, and I opened it and I was like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. All was, those people were there. And that's when I discovered that I can just do, I can just do this and not care and not feel like I'm this weirdo who's just dancing because Everybody knows and you see that person that's really into music, like really into the song and and moving their body. Maybe they're alone too, um, but you have so much like respect for them, even though you think they're a bit weird. But I so I felt like that person. <laughs> you were worried that Fine. you might be that person or like, um, after you're dancing, you're thinking like, oh, is that what I looked like? Or? Yeah, I thought maybe that I could, but I also didn't care. Like I thought if I did look like this, then I didn't, didn't matter because yeah. like, I had so much fun and Totally. And I felt so free and yeah, like I really was listening to the music. That's that's the thing. Like I was listening to the instruments, you know, and the rhythm and the tempo and um, the, all of it, and really appreciating the um, artistic aspect of music. And I think that's what I've gained from playing music as well as being more attentive to the ensemble and the way things are put together more than before. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of factors at play. Like, if you go to a concert to see your favorite band, one factor, for example, is like where you are in the crowd. And to get to where you want in the crowd, you might have to like bump past certain people and sort of have these like social experiences. But if your priority is just experiencing the music and getting into that zone, you're able to like transcend those mm -hmm. like social variables and just like, it's whatever. Mm -hmm. These people. It's not that they don't matter because they're part of the experience mm -hmm. and part of the space, but like you're not, you don't care about what they think of you because like you're there for the music. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I used to go to shows a lot and feel very frigid and 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 stuck in my body because I didn't want to move too much. And sometimes people wouldn't be also moving, um, and so I didn't want to be that person who stepped out of this sort of like I don't know, it's like unspoken social. I, you know, I don't know, expectation to just listen to the music. Um, but yeah, there's times where I do go to a show and I'm really 
interested in watching the musicians play their instruments so I'll go to the front and like watch the drummer and like try to pick up on techniques and that's really exciting and then there's some times where I would rather just be in the back and just dance to it instead so um yeah dance dance is something I've grown like more and more comfortable with over time Mm -hmm. I think back to like middle school and high school dances like Mm -hmm. maybe that's a lot of our first experiences with movement and music but like probably just, being babies and not caring at all. <laughs> yeah. And then we grew up to be yeah, so hyper aware of ourselves and yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, as babies we probably didn't care what we looked like on the no, dance floor. No. And I, I admire all the babies dancing out there and not giving a frick. The baby's still in you. The baby is still inside all of us. Yeah. We Don't just forget have that. To let it cry out a little bit. Yeah. Maybe your coworkers at the same event as you, and you're like, oh, if I if I dance in a sensual way, I'm gonna get judged at the. Or that the, there's or... this necessity for you to be drunk to be able to dance too. And yeah. Like, I understand that. Like, there's definitely, there's definitely something to be said about social lubricants, and alcohol. Like when I had that experience, I smoked a little bit of weed, so I was a bit more. I was more open to it. Totally. Um, but at the same time, like being being able to acknowledge why you want to dance and not be like not why you're dancing because you're you know in this state of mind but because you really want to totally because you really like to dance yeah absolutely dancing at home (laughs) like i hope people dance at home (laughs) i hope so sliding around the living room floor with your socks on you can practice your dance moves at home too so yeah it might be a bit contrived if you do that but i mean not really. Like No, that's your natural state. Yeah. Embrace it. And then you just bring that out into the world and Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Lee, for helping us take the self consciousness out of dancing. Chances are, if you're shaking your rump on the dance floor and not giving a frick, you probably look pretty cool. I'm sure Lee looked amazing that night. Alright, so for the second half of the show, we excavated a pretty insane story from Duncan-born musician Nick Joy. What did you notice when you first started playing shows outside of your hometown? Then nobody cared. Our goal in this episode is to get a single laugh out of you. Just one laugh, so without further ado, here's Nick talking about life as a musician in Duncan and a very weird Christmas party. My name is Nick Joy. I play in the band Teenage Wedding here in Victoria. I've been playing shows for a lot of years, but I've been playing in band since about 2010. have a band called Zuzu's Pedals, and we usually aren't in the same... Uh, city or province if we were in the same country at all but uh, we've, we've toured a little bit and we've been playing shows for a long time and everyone everyone in that band is kind of uh, eccentric in their ways and we've had a lot of crazy shows like um, and anyone who tours Canada I'm sure will tell you that like you'll be playing to nobody in Regina on a Tuesday and you'll be like uh, driving seven hours to play a show and like you know we, we we grew up playing in duncan too and duncan is like a really unusual place 
Um. <laughs> Duncan is just about one of the island's smallest cities with a population of 5,000 and being an hour north of Victoria, it's got its own strange vibe going on. So many of us are familiar with the slightly repressed weirdness of small towns. It's a well-worn trope in music and culture and art. But when that small town is located on an island, a Canadian island in the Pacific Northwest, the weirdness factor is probably going to multiply exponentially. Especially for musicians playing for an audience of small town folk who are looking to spend an evening of listening to music and getting loose. You, you know, uh, we, we, do, we did a lot of house shows. Um, there's this house called The Studes. Um, well, there's this friend of ours who, who put on these house shows and the first one was at this, the first ones were at this house called The House of Nar. And then that eventually changed location and became the Ohm Dome. And uh, the Ohm Dome they got kicked out of, so they got this house and it was, there's a studio in the backyard and they referred to it as the Studes. And they had some crazy shows at the Studes. It was really great. So, um, Teenage Wedding, uh, Zuzu's Pedals, my other band, and a few other acts were all going to play early Christmas show, beginning of December 2016. We're playing the show, it's so much fun. As I have described earlier, these shows are just a blast. Really good vibes every, all around. Teenage Wedding great, had a great set, then Zuzu's Pedals went up and we had a great set too and just like really funny. All our friends feeling good, you know, let the good times roll. One guy who played that show did about a 20-minute version of Needle in the Damage Done and got through about half of the first verse. Gone, gone, the damage done. Just stopping every uh, five seconds to start rambling about this or that. It was very funny. Um, great, great show. At, at the end of the show, a friend of mine says, hey, would you like to play at my staff Christmas party? I don't know what this friend does. I've known him for a long time. Really solid dude. Of course I want to play at your staff Christmas party. Uh, which band? And he says, oh, both both bands can play if you if you want. And I'm like, yeah, I want to do that. That sounds awesome. It's, like, it's in two weeks, you'll get paid 300 bucks. Like, dream come true. Of course, this sounds amazing. Another great show in Duncan, another Christmas party. Can't believe how excited I am about it. So, uh, two weeks go by, back in Duncan, Teenage Wedding All rolls up about half an hour late to this house, kind of in the middle of nowhere, somewhere between Duncan and Maple Bay. Um, it's really dark, super long driveway, snow everywhere, like ice on the ground. There's a lot of cars parked around. Okay, this must be the house. So we, we get out, we know we're kind of late, but... You know, it's a Christmas party. I'm sure they don't care. We wa walk in, and there's about 10 men and women with gray hair uh, in their late 50s or so singing Christmas carols very well. It sounds great, you know, <laughs> around a piano. And uh, I'm thinking, oh, God, I think this is the wrong house, but let's take a look, see? So Nick finds a person who had initially asked them to play and he shows them where the band can get set up. Problem is, two members of the band hadn't arrived yet, and because the missing band members had the guitar amps, 
Looked like things were gonna have a pretty late start. Nick was easy going about these last minute changes. But we set up the drums, we set up the bass amp, we set up some mic stands and stuff, little PA system that we had. And then we go outside and we're smoking and having a beer. It's maybe eight o'clock. And uh, the, the about 10 minutes later, so we've been there for maybe half an hour, maybe just over half an hour. And the, the boss of the company whose Christmas party it is, the owner of the house, comes out she's very drunk and she just starts yelling at us she's like when are you playing i thought you were the band and i'm like yeah we're the band and she just starts screaming obscenities at us um demanding that we play immediately and i i'm trying to say we're gonna we're gonna play soon we're waiting for the guitar amps and then she doesn't hear me shakes her head wanders off Okay, okay, um, text my friends who are bringing the gear. When are you guys come in? They're like, we'll be there in 45 minutes. <laughs> so Nick and a few of his fellow bandmates are trapped in this office Christmas party situation, stuck in a total stranger's house. It's filled with angry people, and they're waiting for 45 minutes. All right, that's cool. Go have some dip. You know, maybe a slice of pizza. Uh, I have to drive, so I'm not drinking, really. I had, like, one beer when we first got there, you know, driving home in, like, five hours. So I don't really like to do that kind of thing. So just just hanging out, talking to people. We get screamed at a few more times, uh, feeling very uncomfortable. And she says says to us at one point, if you aren't going to play music, you might as well just leave. And I think that's a great idea, (laughs) you know? I think that would be the best for everybody here if we just left, you know? That's, I have no quarrel with that. I would like $300, but I'd also like to have a comfortable night. (laughs) Um, But our friends end up showing up. They bring the guitar amps, plug in, do a quick sound check, and the room just clears out. Everyone that was in that living room uh, that was singing Christmas carols or meandering leaves because they don't want to hear what we're about to play. And they know it, and we know it. But a few of our friends had showed up who live in Duncan that we grew up with, you know, so there's probably, you know, as we start to play, about 13, 14 friends file into the room. You know, a gin and tonic in hand. Um, In the other hand, they have... Maybe a big old candy cane. Excited to see our set. My brother shows up, who's now in Teenage Wedding. It was his f- first time seeing the band. At the time, we had Owen Hooper uh, of Mouth Breather. Was Mouth Breather? Of Mouth Breather? Owen Hooper of Mouth Breather was the bassist at that time. Um, and we play well. We did a good job. It was fun. Teresa was new to the band. She'd played maybe one show before that. I don't know if maybe that was her first show probably her second um we're, we're still new getting getting it all together did a good job really fun uh Zuzu's pedal comes up and uh you know starts uh strumming uh you know we we play together once or twice a year but we've been friends for so long just there's always a little bit of magic happening and so we're, we're starting to feel that move a few of the people who left, who work at the company, I'm not really sure to this day what that company was. I heard that it's a hydroponics company that that was the Christmas party, but uh, I heard some contradicting 
uh, information as well. Um, a few of them start to come in. They're pretty drunk and they're kind of starting to enjoy the country rock, like twang that we sometimes have. You know, Telecasters a blaring. Um, they're starting to groove to it a little bit. They're okay with it. And uh, this guy comes out. He's dressed like Santa Claus. Um, except that out of this big Santa Claus pants is this big fake penis. I, yeah, you know, I mean, I don't know how, is that, I'll just, it's a good way to say that. Out of his pants is a, a big fake penis and he's just dancing, uh, you know, having a wild time. And I see he's like handing chocolate out to a bunch of people. I'm playing the drums at this time. All right. Uh, drum, drum, drum away. You know, l Merry Christmas, little drummer boy. <laughs> Santa Claus is here with chocolate and fake dick. Um, he approaches me and says, want some chocolate? And I'm still playing the drums, but, you know, grab, put my hand out to grab some chocolate. And he says to me, it's mushrooms. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, God, no, thank you. I don't want mushrooms right now. Holy heck. Uh, but thank you, Santa. You're about to give me a pretty Merry Christmas, I think. But uh, I, th I have to drive. I'm good. <laughs> Thanks, dude. And I also, I'd never seen this person before, but he's a really nice person, you know? So uh, keep playing this set. We're, we're jamming. Uh, as you can imagine, the party's... There's like a th there's an energy at the party that starts to get a little bizarre, <laughs> as you as it does. But teenage wedding played for like forty five minutes or so. Zuzu's pedals at this point had played for an hour. I'm exhausted. I'm pretty much ready to wrap it up. And I turn to my bandmates and I say, I'd like to like to stop soon. Let's play one more song. One more song. And they're like, No, we can't stop. And I'm all like, what do you mean you can't stop? I'm exhausted. It's late. I'd really like to stop. Like, you know, maybe we can just have some more Christmas carols. It's fine. And then one of my bandmates turns to me and says, I'm really high. <laughs> you know, like he ate the mushrooms at the beginning of the set. And right now he is just flying. Um, and having a really good time and doing an amazing job. I don't really condone taking drugs, especially when you're performing at very at least in high high doses. I don't know if he had taken a high dose, but he was doing great, very experimental, very uh, organic. Um, so I play two more songs and then I say I have to stop. You you guys keep jamming, it's fine. So you know. Santa, who had been jamming with us the whole set, by the way, he'd been playing the tambourine, ooing some songs, getting right into it. He takes over the drums. Santa's jamming on the drums. Zuzu's pedals is... The other members of Zuzu's pedals are just wailing. But, you know, starting to file out and just handing the guitars off to other people. And I'm leaving the room. I watch them for a little while and I leave the room, go get, you know, a samosa or what have you, start chatting with people, you know, some, some biker dude is like, that was pretty good. Uh, 
uh, what you know, just the kind of Christmas conversations you have. What What do you guys want for Christmas this year or something? <laughs> and um, also, I'm sober too. I haven't had anything, so I've, I'm starting to feel pretty uncomfortable. Lots of people are blackout drunk. Lots of people are on psychedelic drugs, and I've been yelled at a lot that party by angry people. Later, the, 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 that woman comes up and asks when we're going to play. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I'm like, we just played for two hours. And she's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Wanders off. Sits down in a big chair in the kitchen. Clearly in control, that, that place, you know? Like, I don't want to cross her. And I feel kind of bad that at this point it's not melodic anymore it's just crazy noise really loud coming from i'm turning down the volume of everyone's instrument in the other room and they for a while they're turning back it up but you know they that goes on for another half an hour everyone's jamming and it slowly peters out um so cue christmas music nice time uh i'm packing up all the gear putting in the back of my van as snow gently falls from the sky um I'm trying to talk to my friend who had the mushroom chocolates and say like, hey, uh, do you mind putting your amp and, and guitar uh, into the a van? To which he replies, who is like about a 50-year-old woman he's sitting next to and drawing a picture vigorously. Picture of what? A picture vigorously. I said, no, no, um, would you mind putting the uh, amp away? <laughs> and he's like, I don't really care about what you're talking to me about right now. <laughs> Understandable, you know, I've been in his place before, I'm sure. And okay, so I was like, all right, I'm just packing all this stuff up and I'm going to get out of here. And then, you know, my band, they, 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 they're like, want to have a few more beers and stuff. I'm like, oh, we're leaving now? I'm like, okay, well, whatever, we'll just hang out for a little while, pack up all the stuff no worries enjoy ourselves and then let's get out of here in the next half hour so as we're leaving uh two people who we are taking with us just start pulling two sixes of very nice tequila and like just and cheap vodka out of their jackets and putting them into the the van i'm like you cannot steal that you cannot take it they're the end uh they're like oh it's fine it's fine i'm like okay but don't take any more and they're like okay um and i'm like okay i gotta get paid so i go up to the woman who's gonna pay us and i say oh uh can you give us the 300 dollars?" and she has her one eye open and she's sitting in this big seat like a throne in the kitchen and she's like, what? And I'm like, can you pay us with a band? Can you play us? And she's like, how much did I agree to? And the guy who asked us to play, who had, by the way, even though I felt nervous this whole time, had been very much telling me, you're doing a great job, perfect, this has been really fun. He approaches her and says, you agreed to pay them $300. And then she says, okay, grab my money. And someone hands her a, a Ziploc bag full of 50s like overflowing and um she pulls out three hundred dollars and like you know tosses it at me and I, I i catch them maybe pick one up off the floor and i'm on my merry way and so as we get in the van though the people who had stole the other two sixes they pull out some more they had gone back and picked up a few more and uh 
I was like, oh, jeez, guys. <laughs> but we got out of there. The next day, in the defense of my colleagues, the guy who asked us to play said to us, I hoped you guys grabbed a few bottles as you were leaving. So I think that even though they were trying to be sneaky, they were more than welcome to take the liquor. Uh, I got a bottle of Patron out of it, which was very nice, and um, 300 bucks, and yeah, I had a, had a really fun night. Don't you miss my baby, don't you miss my baby, don't you miss my baby, don't you miss my baby. Thanks for joining us for the final episode of All Access. We really enjoyed making these episodes with you, exploring many different corners of the music world. Big shout out to 101.9 CFUV in Victoria, to our producer Elise Mathis, to our interview team consisting of myself and Chloe Weisenthal, and of course, a big shout out to all the local musicians who contributed to the podcast and helped make it such a special experience. We love you all. Keep on listening to CFUV. Keep on rocking. Don't stop trucking. Access is supported by Cordova Bay Entertainment Group, supporting local music since 1998. With artists like Acres of Lions, David Gogo, Sam Weber, David West, Steph McPherson, and more. Cordova Bay Entertainment Group, celebrating 20 years of local music. Learn more at cordovabay.com. <laughs>